1: a blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. See, when you fill the house with worship, you just can't stop. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. I had an uncle when he would lead that song in
2: Villa Heights, my wife, was laughing. He would hold his hand up and make the crowd just until he ran out of breath.
1: (laughs) This is my story. This is my song. What's his name? His name is Jesus. We worship you, Jesus.
2: Hallelujah. Amen. On this Independence Day, on this day of freedom, I sense the freedom of the Lord here. If you're watching online, the Spirit of God is in this room. I hope that you're feeling him there where you're at. There's freedom in the name of Jesus. There's healing. There's power. There's life in his name. Today's message I want to preach on this day, freedom for the oppressed. Let's grab our Bibles. I think you're ready for this. Let's say the declaration of the word today. I believe this is the word of God. I believe it's full of the word of God in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. I'm ready to receive from God's word today. I'm alert, I'm listening, and I'm hungry. Lord, my ears to hear and my heart to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Sounding great today. I want us to continue in on this. This thought of the year, returning, refining, and rebuilding. We've not stopped with this this theme of the year. It's, uh, it's what we're living by. It's what we're hoping in. How many has a hope in this? That uh, that there is a returning. Uh, it's a returning of, of prodigals. It's a returning of people who've walked away from God that you've never known, that even knew God. Uh, there's a returning that's taken place. Uh, there's a returning of people who've been uh, away from um, church. Maybe they have a, a relationship with, with Christ, but it's not as strong as that needs to be, and, and they need to have be returned to the body of Christ and so we believe in a returning we believe in a refining how many needs a refining in your life uh, and there's some things that need to be uh, shifted to the top it'd be the the, the Ross needs to be pulled away and, and let the Holy Spirit do a work let sanctification take place and, and, and take root in our heart and, and in our lives so we breathe in a refining and I believe there's a rebuilding amen I believe that God is rebuilding and, and continuing to build the, the walls of hope and rebuilding his church and his church is never dead amen his church has never died. Uh, But there's times of rebuilding, and I believe God wants to do that in ministries uh, across uh, the United States, across the world, uh, of reestablishing, rebuilding some things that need to take place. Amen? So we're going to keep focusing on that. On this day of freedom, uh, I want to... Look to one of our forefathers just for a moment of some things that he did. Anybody remember the name Patrick Henry? I'm not going to preach on Patrick Henry, but I just want you to uh, hear his name. Remember, he gave the statement, give me liberty or give me death. And, and so I just want to, you to hear a little bit about Patrick Henry just for a moment because I think it ties in to where we're at in Nehemiah. We're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 5 in here in just a moment. And I believe that some of the things that uh, Nehemiah was facing, uh, Patrick Henry saw as a, a country. I, I believe we live in a great country, amen? And as you see, as I read here just a second, uh, there was a, there's always been battles over, over the interpretation of the Constitution, but there's always been a heartbeat of God to have freedom for his people. This is a, a, a small article in a Christian history magazine, um, the author is Marka Quivillon, uh, and he has uh, this title over Patrick Henry, uh, an elegant thunderer. So, listen to this: inspired by his religious f- faith and passion for liberty. And I, I got—I'm not going to commentate on all this, but when we have a passion for our our faith in God, how many knows that He's a God of freedom? Amen. And that's what He wants us to experience. So, inspired by His religious faith and passion for liberty. Patrick Henry not only fought against British tyranny but also against the United States Constitution. Born to a plain but respectable family in rural Virginia, Henry started his career at the age of 16 as a struggling storekeeper and later as a farmer before becoming a successful self-taught lawyer in 1760. Educated by his father, Henry's modest background won him the title of Man of the People. In 1765 he was elected to Virginia's legislation. Ten days after taking his seat, he started the spark of revolution by calling the king and Parliament tyrants for taxing the people without their consent. During the next 10 years, Henry became the leader of the revolutionary movement in Virginia, a son of thunder, as one contemporary called, see Mark chapter 317. In his most famous speech, Henry drew from the book of Jeremiah to attack those who hope for reconciliation with England. He said, gentlemen may cry, peace, peace, he shouted, but there is no peace. I use that as a background to our message we go into Nehemiah. Because we're going to see a people that, even though they were set free from uh, a bondage, they were taken into Babylonian exile, right? And, and we talked about that in the, as we looked at the book of Nehemiah. They've been, uh, the, There's been a group of people, and through Ezra's leadership, they went back to Jerusalem to start building the city. And then Nehemiah's given his task to go back to build the walls. And so people who were bound were set free to go back home, but when they got back home, we see in chapter 5 that they were still oppressed. Let's look at this starting in Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 1. If you're filling out an outline this morning, you'll see the blanks are, uh, uh, will be filled in by the, the lines in the top right-hand corner of the screen. This first, I this first thought is under the umbrella of being bound by circumstances. Do you know anybody that in your life that's bound by circumstances? It seems like they can't ever have a, enough money to get out of the situation they're in. Uh, they 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 owe taxes. Uh, they owe uh, they owe money to other people. They're in debt and uh, to their circumstances they are bound up. How I mean, is that like God wants to set people free? He doesn't want to be bound. But sometimes we find that we are bound because of the circumstances we're in. Let me give you the scene of this picture as we follow the story of Nehemiah. I just feel like it's interesting how the Lord kind of lines up all these messages just at the right time. And, and I was wondering how is, how am I going to preach on Nehemiah chapter five? And when I got studying again, I was like, wow, we're right here. Uh, people that are bound, but God wants to set them free. Nehemiah chapter five, verse one. And there was a great outcry of the people. Now remember, at the end of chapter 4, we see that they were arm-in-arm arm together, fighting. They were building and protecting at the same time. And they said, we were, we were, going to be, uh, we're going to stay to this cause. We're going to keep our eyes open, and we're going to stay alert to rebuilding the wall. But in the midst of rebuilding the wall, there's an outcry of the people and their wives against the Jewish brethren. Now look who they're, who they're upset with. The Jewish brethren, the ones that they came out of captivity with, there's a turmoil within the family, in, in the Jewish community, okay? For there were those who said, we, our sons and our daughters, are many. Therefore, let us get grain that we may eat and live. There were also some who said, we have mortgaged our lands and vineyards and houses that we might buy grain because of the famine. They're going in the midst of a famine. They needed more supplies, and so they're, they're mortgaging out their, ha- their, their homes. or They're selling their lands just to get what they can to survive. There were also those who said, we have borrowed money for the king's tax on our lands and vineyards. They were borrowing money to pay taxes. Yet our flesh is as the flesh is our brethren. What they're saying is that the ones who are doing this to us is just like us. We, we're, we're of the same Jewish uh, community. We came out of the same place. We're all under Babylonian exile, and, and we were set free out of, out of Persia. They let us go, and, and we're back here in our homeland, but our brothers are not treating us the right way. We're not treating one another the, the way we should. Our children uh, as their children, and indeed we are forcing our sons and daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have been bought, brought into slavery. It is not in our own power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and vineyards. You see the scene that's taking place. They're released from one bondage and they go back home, but man begins to, to begin to want to triumph over others. They want to have dominion over others and, and they begin to, to sell uh, property and uh, to, to pay their taxes, but the one who's taking the money we're forcing the others into slavery to make, their, to make their needs met. It's a sad picture here. So here's Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 6. Now listen to this. The circumstances... Shifted. Someone say shift. shift. How many believes that the shift message is still alive? Amen. That God still wants to do something. The circumstances shifted. He says, This is Nehemiah. I became very angry when I heard their outcry and these words. I became angry when I really found out what was going on that the people, the Jewish people, were oppressing other Jewish people. They were putting a burden on them that they shouldn't have to carry. After serious thought, I, I rebuked the nobles and rulers and said to them, each of you is exacting usury from his brother, so I call a great assembly against them. The heartbeat of Nehemiah was to see the people set free to go back home to rebuild the, to rebuild the walls so they could have a place of worship again. How many likes worshiping with other believers of the same mind and the same spirit to, and, and the same freedom that they have? They've been We we've, we've been bought by the same blood of Jesus Christ. There should be a liberty when we walk in the room because we realize we've been set free together. We should celebrate with one another when those who are in the room say, I believe in Jesus Christ. I've given Him my sin. I've cast all my cares on Him. I asked Him to be my Savior. Then there's this common bond with among us. We are in this together. So none of us should look down on someone else who is saved by the same grace that you've been saved by. None of us should look down on and oppress someone and try, to lay, and try to put a heavier burden on them than what you're carrying. What I mean is that you can't say walk this way when you're not walking this way. You can't put a burden on them to say, you need to live like this if you're not living like this. You can't talk like that if you're talking like that. See, we can't put a burden on someone else that we're not able to carry. Now, I know Jesus lifted our burden, but what I'm talking about is we can't weigh down someone else with rules and of religion because we are walking freedom in our relationship with Christ. He changes our heart. So instead of giving a list of rules, we go back to the two simple commandments that Jesus says in the New Testament. Love God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, all of your spirit. Everything that you have, love God completely. How many can work on that? That, That's not to make anybody feel bad, but it means that I just want to keep drawing closer and closer to Him every day. I want to keep loving Him more, learning how to love Him more, learning how to serve Him more, learning how to surrender to Him more. And it takes a lot of work to to stay in this relationship. Now, we're not going to lose salvation like that. That's not what I'm saying. But I want to keep pressing in. I want to keep growing in Jesus Christ. I want to keep maturing in Him. We talked about maturing last week. I want to keep growing. So I have to keep my eyes on him, and I want to I love God with all that is in me. Every day I wake up, there's a little bit more in me. How I many has a little bit more? I know you may wake up tired someday, like I wish I had, but you've got a new day started. You have new mercies that are every morning, and I have an opportunity to love God greater today than I did yesterday. And then Jesus says that then we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. I know you've heard this before, but this is what is going on. The Jewish people are not loving their neighbors as themselves. They're weighing them down with taxes and, and other things. And then they're taking them into slavery to be their servants because they couldn't pay a debt. How many of you know you had a debt that you couldn't pay? But Jesus paid it for us. And because it, our debts have been paid by the same price, the same sacrifice, the same blood... We have a unity together to do the work of the kingdom of God together. So let us look at one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? To encourage one another. So so I called a great assembly against them. Verse 8. And I said to them, according to our ability, we have redeemed our Jewish brethren who were sold to the nations. Now, indeed, will you even sell your brethren? Or should they be sold to us? He's asking these hard questions. Look, look what you're doing. Has anybody ever had someone get your attention and just kind of say, hey, do you realize what you're doing? And you kind of get a, a moment of clarity you're like, oh, I didn't realize I was doing that. It's okay to confess that. I didn't realize I was doing that. I didn't realize I was acting that way or that I was burdening someone that much. I want to change some things around because when they were convicted of it, when Nehemiah is saying, do you realize what happened? We We were already in bondage. We set them free and now we're putting them in bondage again. Do you really want to do this? Do you really want to sell each other to one another to, to be slaves for one another when we've been set free? We've already done slavery. They were silenced and found nothing to say. Then Nehemiah said, What you are doing is not good. You should not walk in the fear. Now, should you not walk in the fear of God because of the reproach of the nations, our enemies? Listen, fear of God leads to a shift. If you need a shift in your life, begin to check your fear for God, the fear of the Lord. Not being afraid of God. I know you've heard me say this before, but I want to make sure we're clear when we talk about the fear of the Lord. It's the most holy reverence for God Almighty, the all-powerful, all-knowing, the one who is in control of everything, who sees every part of your life, every thought that you think, uh, every action that you do, every word that you speak. He knows it before you do it. Uh, He knows who you are, and we should fear Him because He also is the one who's going to judge our soul. But we don't have to live in fear of Him. We live in fear of who He is uh, in the sense of this great allness uh, and great reverence. But I know that I'm safe in the hands of Jesus Christ because I confessed him as my Lord and Savior. I asked him to come into my heart. I know that he died for me and that he's protecting me. I fear him because he's most holy and reverent, but I don't live in fear. I live in hope. I live in excitement. I, I live because of the fear of the Lord. I live rejoicing because I know that he is, he's died for me and he's died for you. So if you need a shift in your life, check your fear status. Am I honoring God? Because if we fear him, we'll honor God in all that we do. Every word, every action, our thoughts, when they're not the right thoughts, you can't help the first thought that comes in, but you can control it really fast, right? Submit it to the Lord. Lord, I don't want to think that way. I don't want to think about that person that way. I don't want to respond the way that I want to respond in the flesh. I I want you to take control, Holy Spirit. Let the fruit of the Spirit become alive and active. Let them manifest in my life, right? There's a shift that happens when we fear the Lord. So why is it important to fear the Lord? With every deed that we do. Let's go ahead and admit it. You don't have to raise your hands. I'll just see you nod. Has anybody ever said something? To someone that you're like, oh, I wish I could have that back. Because they're a precious soul. And I don't want it on my shoulders, on my conscience, of something I may have said to something, someone, that weighed them down. And this is not to make excuses. They need to be strong in Christ. But there's some people who have used other people as an excuse not to follow Christ. I imagine if we did an anonymous survey in here of how many people have been hurt in some kind of church situation... Most people would probably check the yes box. But even though there might be a check in that box, you can't let that be a reason not to follow him or serve him and give your all to him. I know there's some that are holding back. Like, I don't want to be hurt again. Let me just go ahead and let you know. You probably will. You probably will. But God's grace is sufficient for you. God is able to sustain you. He can bring the healing because your security and your self-worth and your comfort is not in people. It's in Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't give us an excuse to let it out and lay it out on people and say, oh, God will help them. No, no. Let the Holy Spirit deal with that. We've got to learn to act and talk the right way. I don't want to be, I don't want to be guilty of, of weighing down someone with my words that would discourage them from following Jesus Christ. I, we want to be an encourager and a lifter. We've got to speak truth, but we have to do it in You've been reading your Bible. So, verse ten, he says, "I also, with my brethren and my servants, am leading them money and or lending them money and grain. Please let us stop this usury." We're so just walking through this chapter. I, I, and I, I'm intentional about walking through a whole chapter, verse by verse, because I want you, when you go back and read it for yourselves, to know what's going on in the story. So he says, I'm lending money to them. I'm lending money to them, not in a usury way. I'm giving them the grain that they need. If they're able to repay it, that's great. But he goes, I'm willing to give. This this is the generosity of Nehemiah. Generosity. That sounds a little bit familiar. Does anybody remember last year's theme that God gave us? Growing in generosity. Generosity. Who knew that we'd be using that in Nehemiah's time, right? Nehemiah became a generous leader. So he says, restore now to them, even this day, their lands, their vineyards, their olive groves, and their houses. Also, a hundredth of the money and the grain. What I mean is, give back the interest that you charged them. The new wine, the oil that you've charged them. Give it back to them. Let them be free. So they said, we will restore, and we will will require nothing from them. We will do as you say. Then I called the priests and required an oath from them that they would do according to the promise. Here's the thing. Don't just say it, but do it. Don't just say it, but do it. That needs to be important in our lives. Don't just say it, but do it. Verse 13. Then I shook the fold off my garment and said, So may God shake out each man from his house and from his property who does not perform this promise. Even thus may be he may be shaken out and emptied. Nehemiah was kind of doing one of these things. I'm shaking, I'm shaking it off. I'm just, this is what I think about you if you don't keep your promise. I'm just shaking it off. I'm just letting. Letting it go, I have nothing to do. I'm just brushing you away. This is what God will do to you if you don't keep your promise of taking care of one another the way that you should. Josh is going to hate sitting on the front row, but I love that you're down there. Go ahead and stand up. Now turn around. Show what he's got. Look, everybody say it. This is what we're saying we want to be, right? Right? This is who we are. And one person can't do it. Two people can't do it. And, and, and we're going to miss it sometime. There's going to be some people say, I don't think I feel no no this love I'm doing my best, but we need your help, every one of us. So when you're walking in, we want you to be known, noticed, love. loved. Those who are watching the line, we want you to be known, noticed, and loved. Now don't be, you can sit down, don't be like the, the, the lady that, who, who, who in another place said, no one ever called me, I've been gone for a long time, and so I had like ten ladies call her, and then the next time I talked to her, she was mad at me because I got so many people to call her. And I'm like, I don't know what to do here. True story. The thing is, though, we do want people to be known, noticed, and loved, but this is what I'm saying, if we're just saying it, and we're not doing it, just being brushed off. Lord, help us in all that we do. Don't use that motto against us. Let's, let's embrace around it. How are you knowing people, noticing them, and loving them? It works both ways. Can we agree on that? Then all the assembly said, amen, and the Lord. Then the people did according to this promise. So I, I'm saying, folk, I'm just being sensitive to the Lord. What a, what a great day we have today to be able to come back. I'm praying the rain will hold off. We're going to have people on our property. They keep coming out. I, I know the day shifted. And, but you know what? I trust the Lord. I trust God. He always has a plan. There's some pastors going to be here, and I'm going to try to make them some lanterns that says pastor today. So after I give the invitation, I'm going to let people know, hey, if you want to see a pastor to pray with you right now, before the fireworks go off, find one of the, these persons wearing one of these tags, I believe there's somebody who's going to be touched. But I can let you know, there's going to be some people on the property that you may take a second look sometimes. Why are they wearing that? Why do they look like that? You know why? Because they're hurting inside, and they're trying to be known, they're trying to be noticed, and they're trying to be loved. But they don't know how to do it. That's why we have to embrace them, engage with them, and love on them. I believe that God is going to touch lives through us, amen? amen. Through this body. Verse 14. Moreover, from the time that it was, I was appointed to be governor, and at just the end of this chapter, I'll try to roll through pretty quickly. He becomes the governor over them in the land of Judah from the 20th year until the 20, 32nd year of King Artaxerxes, 12 years. Neither did I nor my brothers ate the governor's provisions. So he didn't take what was allotted to him being the governor, but he was mindful of the people. But the former governors who were before me laid burdens on the people and took from them bread and wine uh, besides 40 shekels of silver. Yes, even their servants bore rule over the people. But I did not do so because, why? Because of fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord was in his life. So he realized because of the fear of God in my life, I want to treat people the right way all the time. He wasn't in there trying to gain for himself. He says in verse 16, Indeed, I also continue to work on the wall." And we did not buy any land. All my servants were gathered there uh, for the work. For, and the New Living Translation says this I, I was devoted, I devoted myself to the working on the wall, and I refused to acquire any land. I wasn't in it for me. I wasn't trying to get earthly gain. I came over here because the Lord put on my heart. Go back to Nehemiah chapter 1. The king said, What's wrong with you, Nehemiah? He was broken hearted because he heard about the people of his homeland and the destruction of the wall. He was moved on there not to go to make riches and fame. He was moved to go reset a people uh, on the right path uh, to rebuild a wall. He had a calling on him, an anointing to go minister to people. It wasn't about earthly gain. Even though he was promoted and God promoted him, he still refused. I'm not going to live lavishly. I want to be with the people and minister to the people. You know, I required my servants to do the same. And at my table, listen, there was a shift from selfishness. The former governors were selfish. There was a shift from selfishness. So at my table were 150 Jews and rulers, besides those who came to us from the nations all around us. Now that which was prepared daily, and, and we read this as his, in his own expense one ox, six. Toysipa, fowls were prepared for me once every ten days in abundance of all kind of wine. Yet in spite of this, I did not demand the governor's provisions because the bondage was heavy on the people. He still had a heart for the people. Until they're really free, I'm not going to take. Verse 19, he says this. Remember me. This is a prayer. Remember me, O God, for good according to all that I've done for this people. This was the prayer of Nehemiah. Remember, I he, he wasn't boasting, he was humbly making his prayer. Keep me God. Remember, I'm doing good for you because I fear you. So are you ready to do the Bible this week? Read Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. Along with that, read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 for 47 and pray this. Lord, fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit that I may give the message of hope to those who are lost and oppressed by the circumstances of life that there is true freedom, liberty, and provision in you. This is our prayer this week. Lord, fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit that I may give the message of hope to those who are lost and oppressed by the circumstances. You already said it this morning. You know some people who seem to be lost and oppressed because of their circumstances. But you have a message of hope that you can give them. That there is life and there is not just freedom but true freedom and liberty and provision in Jesus Christ. Just a couple more moments. Luke chapter 14 this is Jesus. He returned out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit to Galilee. And the news went around throughout all the surrounding regions, and he taught them in the synagogues, being glorified by all. So when he came to Nazareth, where he was been brought up, and he said, and it was custom, and he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim, say with me, liberty, the freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus spoke this, that he came. The reason to minister was to set the oppressed free, to give liberty to those who are bound. And the message still rings true in the church today. That is what we are called to do. And there's going to be people out here on this lawn tonight who are bound up. Some are going to be bound up by drugs. Some are going to be bound up by alcohol. Some are going to be bound up in bad relationships. And they're trying to figure these things out. But I want to declare to them that there is true freedom. Say it with me. There is true freedom. Not just a freedom named by a country. But there's freedom in the realm of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God that they can experience today. Lord, anoint us to proclaim the gospel. So here's what happens when we fear God. And then we have a like mind for one another. I had to add these scriptures in, even though we use them so many times. In Acts chapter 2, here's what happened. When the power of the Holy Spirit fell, early in that chapter, you read about this. And when the people were filled with the Holy Spirit, here's the response. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And then fear came upon every soul. There was an, in one translation, there was an, an, an amazement, and awfulness came on everyone. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and they had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all of anyone who had need. So, continually daily with one accord, breaking bread from the house to house, they ate food with the gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. God's mercy and grace is in this place. There's going to be some music playing. We're just trusting the Lord in this time to move on our hearts. I want to see people the way Jesus sees them. I want us to have that bond that, that brings us together, that, that unity that they had in the New Testament. I want us to have the freedom, the freedom to worship, the freedom to minister and lay hands on people who are bound up, who are sick, and need a healing to be set forth in ministry, to, to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe that God wants to move in the church this very hour. I want you to be in prayer today as you're eating lunch and maybe laying down for a moment. Think about the purpose of the night. The purpose is not just to see fireworks and plug your ears because of the sound. The purpose of the night is to celebrate freedom and I'll remind the folks tonight, as I often have done here, America wasn't founded for freedom, to be whatever we want to be. And I'll be careful with my words. But America was founded to seek after God, to learn the word and take it back to England, to set people free there. They were under tyranny, they were under a forced religion. But God got a hold of some people. He said, I want to know you. I want to pursue you. And when they came to the United States, they came seeking God. I'm going to invite you this morning just to come around these altars, seek after God for a moment. We'll let the Lord lead us in what directions we need to pray. And I want you to respond to this, this word. I want you to respond to this message. I want you to...
0: The precious the blood, blood of, of Jesus, Christ.
2: Jesus, Christ. Jesus Christ today. This is the day when you can do it. You can just give your heart to Jesus by calling on him. Just calling on his name. And saying, Lord, forgive me. If you're watching online, later on you can see my number will come up. We just want to reach out to you Here watching online, you come today, we're going to pray with you, God is so good, amen, just continue to worship the Lord, there's freedom in this place
0: cross as you wait for the crown, tell the